0: Welcome back to the Names Spirit Podcast. It's the first episode of 2022. Super stoked to have you along with me. Today we've got Mike Kane. He is one of the co owners of Spear West, which is one of the best spearfishing shops in the Perth city in Western Australia. Uh, really nice guy. Really had a good chat. This is the first solid interview of 2022. And uh, massive thanks for Mike for uh, being my first victim of the year. I uh, wanted to read your. A couple of quick reviews of the podcast up on podchaser.com. If you listen to the podcast on Spotify, I'd be honoured if you came and left a review for the Noob Spiro podcast on podchaser.com. Team Elon Garda said, five stars, I created this account just to rate Noob Spiro. Hands down, my favourite podcast, everything I've learned from the Noob Spiro has taught me has brought me up over the years from the day I started spearing, and I haven't stopped listening and learning. I know I can account for fish because of this podcast. Many thanks, Shrick and Turbo. Keep it up and keep the stoke. Uh, thanks, Team Elongatus. That was awesome. Jacob Gonzalez says, five stars. Without a doubt, I owe all my spearfishing knowledge to this podcast. Stop reading this and go listen to the podcast if you want to better your sparing career. It's hilarious down to earth and gives you a wealth of knowledge. Keep up the great work, Shrek. Tyler says, five stars. Also, really enjoyed this podcast. I've been overwhelmed with the knowledge, entertainment, and love getting in-depth stories from expert sparrows. Very professional interview style and excellent selection of interviewees. New spear podcast has got me back into sparing. Thank you um that's that a really just awesome interviews really great way to start the year reading um feedback like that from listeners just like you um talking about feedback on amazon.com 99 tips to get better at spearfishing is still up still doing well uh jg says derived from real world, world experts the tips here work and cannot be gained without years of shooting most strongly recommended would buy again and again um, and 99 Spare Recipes was raised on Kickstarter last year. Massive thanks to every single one of you that got on and backed that project. It was huge. 330 of you jumped on and supported that podcast, put your money where your mouth is, and invested in a cookbook sourced, crowdsourced from Sparrows just like you, from every corner of the world. It's actionable seafood meals for the everyday diver. It's going to be up on Amazon somewhere around the middle of the year. For the people that jumped on and backed Kickstarter, they're going to get their rewards in the mail, hopefully. Uh, March, April. Uh, I'm thinking more April. Uh, the book is progressing well. It's in an alpha version now. It's about to go to beta. But hey, I've, I've held you up long enough today. Let's get into today's interview. Spear West owner, Mike Kane, WA Spear. And here we go, Perth. One for you. I can't wait to get into today's episode. Brought to you with proud partner, adreno.com.au. The Noob Spiro podcast has been partnering with adreno.com.au for more than 100 episodes. And these guys are awesome. They have uh, huge spearfishing mega stores all over the country. You can shop online or in store. Use the code Noob Spiro whenever you spend more than $200 and you will automatically save $20. That's right. Use the code Noob Spiro online or in store when you spend more than $200 and save $20. I love these guys. I remember the first time I brought a spear gun at adreno.com.au down at the Gabber store and Adreno have been a huge part of the excitement that I have about spearfishing. Check them out at adreno.com.au, use the code NoobSpearo to save. Neptonics was founded in 1996, making trigger mechs in a barn in the Santa Cruz mountains. Solid gear that works was their founding principle and it still rings true today in every pull of a Neptonics trigger. In every snap of a Neptonics band, and in every whiz of a Neptonics spear gun reel, singing with the power of another big fish. Get a great deal. You can use the code NOOB10 to save 10% off anything and everything at neptonics.com. It's solid gear that works, equipment you can rely on. Save 10% off any order at neptonics.com when you use the code NOOB10. Support for the Noob Spirit podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming champions of the world manscaped offer precision engineered tools for your family jewels manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer the lawnmower 4.0 all across australia and new zealand you heard that right the 4.0 join over 2 million men worldwide who trust manscaped with this exclusive offer for you 20 percent off free worldwide shipping with the code noobsbureau and one word noobsbureau one word at manscaped.com G'day Noob Sparrow community. Today I'm joined by Mike Kane, Spear West owner, operator, uh, passionate WA Spiro. He's been dobbed in by one of his good mates, Aaron Parton, who I've just heard is uh, an absolute legend to go boating with apparently. Is that right, Mike?
1: Well, I don't know if legend's the term I'd use, but uh, probably <laughs> it's probably an experience when uh, Aaron's involved, good, bad, or in-depth. Yeah,
0: yeah, righto. So Aaron says you know how to hunt, and... Um, you've shot some good fish over your time, like nine plus kilo red emperor, plenty of mackerel, big coral trout, and even a black marlin I
1: have. It was a blue marlin. uh, That was a couple of years ago. Um, But probably that was a fish that I guess I wanted to tick off the list, so to speak. Um, But I did that with a charter operator who pretty much fed me the fish. So Albeit it was a great fish to capture, it sort of wasn't a standout for me. It, it didn't involve the hunting and the travelling and the, I suppose, time and effort that other fish have taken to capture.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do you think that that's a big part of the appeal of spearfishing is that it's like, um, you know, like the uh, rewards are commensurate with the amount of effort you put in?
1: I think it's like most things in life. I think they're directly proportional. Um you might get a bit of dumb luck and the odd person spears a good fish they stumble across, but the good guys, they're not getting those regular good catches just out of luck. I mean, it's it's time, it's effort, um, it's preparation, it, it, it's all things involved. And to me, that's where spearfishing is, one of those uh, rewarding sports that, you know, if you put the time and effort in, you you tend to reap the uh, dividends. Mm.
0: That old analogy too, like um, like in the line fishing world, they say like one percent of the line fishermen catch ninety nine percent of the fish. Do you feel like that there's a correlation with that to spearing? And do you think that um, the guys that put in the yards are generally the ones that get rewarded? And do you think it's more of a research thing, or do you think it's like a time in the water? Do you think it's like a, a you know a physical ability thing? Or what's your kind of theory on what makes a good sparrow?
1: Well, I think it's a little bit different from the line fishermen in that the the, the fact that the line fishermen uh, the one percent catch ninety nine percent of the fish. I totally agree with that. But I think spear fishermen, as they progress in the sport, they become a lot more selective. So they they don't become about the large quantity of fish. They target their species and they want to capture you know particular fish. And and I think that's where spearfishing as a sport. or or, or a form of angling is is so much more selective and sustainable. Um, That being said, I think spearfishing and spearfishers' abilities are probably a mixed bag. I mean, you get divers who can dive for three and a half minutes, but if they're sitting on a sand flat, you know, chasing reef species, they're not going to do too well, are they? So I think... Mm A lot of spearfishers who have come from a line fishing background seem to do well because first they can find the areas and the fish. um, And then obviously Mm. diving capabilities. But I think the big one as well is presence in the water. Um, Mm. We've all dived with people that, you know, you see them holding a spear gun, chasing fish down to the bottom. And I mean, I look at them and think they look scary. So I don't know what a fish thinks. (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know, so you see other people and they got that presence in the water, they're calm, they're cool, and and fish seem to you know, fish are naturally inquisitive. They come over and have a look. I don't think to capture good fish you'd you need to have ridiculous breath holds. If you can swim down and land on a fish, you know, mm. most fish you can capture on a minute dive, I would think.
0: Mm-mm. Yeah, good, cool. Let's get into a little bit more of that when we get into the interview. But, um, Mike, give us a little bit of an overview. Like, um, how old are you? How long have you been living over there in Perth? And um, what's your background? And when did spearfishing start for you?
1: Um, I'm Perth born and bred. Uh, so, as I just touched on, I was a, a lion fisherman from a um, very young age. Uh, we used to do a lot of hand spearing in the river and in the ocean, just shore diving when I was young. Um, But fishing's always been a a massive passion of mine. Um, Probably wasn't until I was 30 and I was just on the net and um, started just for whatever reason, went off and and started Googling and and watching some YouTubes of guys hunting Spanish mackerel and pelagics actually, and that really captivated me. To the point I I was watching them and it almost seemed unbelievable that these guys could hunt these fish on breath hold. Basically, I, just, I, I watched it and thought, I want a piece of that. That looks that <laughs> looks insane. Um, so I joined a local club here and uh, that, that was the beginning.
0: The WA Undersea Club?
1: Yeah, yeah. Because
0: you've got a couple of decent and dominant um, spearing clubs now on the West Coast, down eh?
1: Well, there's there's the WA Undersea and then there's the Blue Water Freedivers. It's it's predominantly those two.
0: Okay.
1: Um Yeah, so for me, joining a spearfishing club was a really good stepping stone. Um, It introduced to a lot of people and a lot of people with experience. Always found with most things in life, if you want to improve, you want to try and hang out with the best in that field. It's it's going to make you improve um, rapidly, I guess. Uh, So I tried to associate with those people where I could.
0: So you're 30. You you've decided you're going to spare like come hell or high water. By the sounds of it, you wanted to get down and start shooting mackerel. Um, you joined a club, which is a fantastic, great step. Which is one of the benefits of 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 being a bit older when you start something. You had, you tend to know some some learning shortcuts, which like you identified as kind of being around those people that have got that knowledge and experience. Um, walk us through joining the club and. Where to sort of from there? Like, did the, was there some standout characters that, that took you under their wing?
1: Yeah, 100%. So fortunately, you know, I was, I've always owned a boat. So if you join a spearfishing club and you own a boat, you're going to bypass a lot of uh, people. <laughs> you're not gonna...
0: Make a lot of friends. Yeah,
1: yeah. But, no, there's um a couple of uh, standout guys for me who, you know what it's like with diving, if you don't have that relationship Diving from the onset, it just doesn't typically work. And some guys you dive well with and some guys you don't. Um, mm. There's a guy, Graham Gould at, at WA Undersea, and, and he was very good to me, showed me a lot of things because you soon forget as a new diver, I mean, you know, it's, it's hard work, you are cumbersome in the water, you're awkward, you probably scare fish, you know, you, you, you're pretty much um, getting in the way of good divers. On those.
0: Yeah, you're a liability for the start, definitely. Pretty much,
1: pretty much. Um, yeah. So, you know, Graham was very good to me. And then the other thing is, you know, these guys, they did the travel um, and opened up a lot of places, showed me a lot of things. And, and just even how they prepare for their spear trips in terms of packing, um, equipment that you need, that you don't need, and so on and so forth. So that really opened up a lot of uh, of information to me and then it was just a progression from that.
0: So you brought some skills with you and you had the boat. Um, You you understood how to talk and communicate to people and you you understand some shortcuts with learning. It's still got to be quite intimidating being 30 years old and putting on a wetsuit for the – well, for maybe – I don't know if it was your first time, but getting in the water and then, you know, feeling like that feeling like a noob when you're 30 years old, jumping in a water with a bunch of people that are quite experienced. Um, walk us through one of your first dives, like, um, and getting past that kind of that, you know, you, you can have that that imposter syndrome, you know, like where you feel like you don't belong here. And, you know, like and and and, and sometimes it makes it worse when you're around people that are very talented and, and very good at what they do. Can you remember any of those sort of first moments?
1: Well, not really, because you know, anyone who made me feel like that, I think I would bypass generally in life. Um, so, no, the, and and that's probably quite the opposite, that most of the people that I've met in the spearfishing world have actually been quite welcoming and encouraging. I've not found that negative element too much. But, you know, maybe that's also because if I did find that, I'd probably leave that uh, situation yeah. pretty quickly. That being said, the... Um, it was actually the first trip I did with these guys. We went up to go to Carnarvon and uh, we reached there, which is about a 10-hour drive north of Perth. And anyway, the wind wasn't quite as forecast. So we uh, ended up, we spent the night there, but we we drove back to Geraldton and we went to the Abrolhos Islands, which is about 60 k's west of Geraldton. Geraldton's about five hours north of Perth. And as I touched on before, you know, my dream was always to shoot a Spanish mackerel, and I hadn't shot one. And this was literally my first trip away with these guys, and we we were diving the back of the reef there. And I was with Graham, who I mentioned earlier, and uh, we're in about six meters of water. And a mackerel swam underneath me, and you know, again, I hadn't seen uh, Spanish in the water, and I didn't have to dive; shot it from the surface. Um, <laughs> And, and it was, it, the fish went 21 gilled and gutted. Oh,
0: that's and, um, your first mackerel. <laughs> Holy moly. And so I
1: said to the guys, I was really saying, I'm done. I mean, I'm happy to sit on the boat. I don't think I need to get much more out of this trip. Um, anyway, we continued to dive and then we went up to the next group of islands to the north and the guys were going for some jewfish and so on and they started chumming up in the water. And uh, that's when the Bronzies joined the party and that that was probably I I did definitely found that daunting I didn't mind when you could see one or two sharks um Mm. they started coming in from different directions and that was just as you experience as time goes by you know you you can start reading the sharks their behavior and so on but Mm. at the time I found that pretty daunting um but apart from apart from that no not at all um
0: so, so walk us through. So, like, you, you, you glazed over it, but even shooting a mackerel from the surface, I mean, it's a big target you're aiming at too. But, I, I like, even now, like, sometimes mackerel season comes through and I haven't seen one for sometimes six or nine months or something like that, and then I get a school of them come in or a big one, a big single like the one you sort of had, and they, they approach and they swim sort of pretty lazy underneath you, but that excitement and the, the heart rate goes right up. And quite often it's very easy to get that big buck fever and, you know, throw a bad shot, um, what gave you the, I don't know, the tenacity and the calmness to be able to get a good bead on that fish and shoot it?
1: Oh, look, I, I wouldn't have a clue. That was literally beginner's luck. Uh, yeah? You know, since then I still love hunting Spanish mackerel. I don't know what it is about them, but I, uh, I, I love to shoot Spanish mackerel. So – no, I, I, I find that I don't actually, I appreciate what you're saying, but I, I don't find I get that. I find that they captivate me under the water, but I don't think that I get any, uh, I, I don't get that rush of blood, so to speak. Okay. Um, yeah. And we're pretty blessed here on the on the West Coast. We get some really good uh, fish from time to time.
0: World record, 46 kilos taken off there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it was, uh, was it, two years ago in the same area um, because it's where typically a lot of us go to hunt big fish. Um, and uh, I was lucky enough to get a 37.8, which was a good yeah, fish, but it'd be lovely to get one over 40.
0: There's only a handful of people that have shot them over 40, though, although I'm led to believe that they grow up over 55.
1: Yeah, well, I'd love to see that.
0: Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, all right, cool. So um other lessons learned sort of in that 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 time period? Like um how about the diving skills? Did they come to you pretty natural or was it a slow and steady progression?
1: Well, I've always um spent a lot of time in the water. So in terms of being comfortable in the water, um I've had no issue there. Uh I haven't probably you know, I, I don't do the long dives that other guys I know do, um, but in terms of being comfortable in the water and you know being able to spend all day in the water, I- I'm pretty comfortable and relaxed. Yeah.
0: Okay. So if you've got a shorter dive window, which um which I think a lot of a lot of guys have that, but they use their time smart. Um, let's say you've got that. Maybe you've got a 50 second dive. Like I, I know a lot of people do. They they maybe maybe they can do two minutes on a dry training app or something like that. But as you know, it, it doesn't necessarily correlate to a to a dive in the ocean. So you've got, you know, you've got an average sort of 50-second drop time. How do, you, how do you advise guys to use that time the best?
1: Well, I, th- I think you need to be smart. I mean, if, if you're working with currents and so on, you, you know, boat positioning's massive. Um, you've got to hit the drop zone where the fish are, obviously. And the other one is, it, which everyone dives a bit differently. I'm, I'm big on buddy diving, not just from a safety perspective, but I actually think that two guys can cover a lot more ground. And if you bounce off each other, you know, oh, that's the edge of the reef there. It's another 10 metres that way. Oh, I saw a couple of fish there. If you work well with your dive buddy, I, I think that's also a, uh, a big, big um, bonus. And I do think, it, it as I touched on before, it's like most relationships, not everyone works well together. But if you can find a dive buddy that uh, you do work well with, you um, can also help uh, maximise those dives. But I do think the boat positioning is huge. Um, and, you know, working with the elements a bit when you do have current and so on, and you've got a drift dive, and, you know, make sure you hit those zones.
0: great news guys adam stern has made his freedivingfamily.com courses available at a discount for the new Spiro community if you get on freedivingfamily.com use the code spiro you'll get 20 percent off any course there's a bunch of sick courses on there there's an equalizing uh, stage one there's an equalizing advanced techniques um, video there are two of my absolute favorites if you have any problems with equalizing go to freedivingfamily.com Get Adam's course and use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course. Check it out at freedivingfamily.com. Are you following at Old Man Blue Dive on Instagram yet? Bert Calder, creator of the Old Man Blue Dive Gear. Is an absolute legend. They are people that froth on the spearing life and intentionally make super hard wearing and practical gear that will stand the test of time. Visit oldmanblue.com.au and check out a bunch of tough, robust equipment made by people that are just as passionate about spearing as you are. Oldmanblue.com.au Okay, so let's say um, I'm travelling over from from Brisbane to come dive with you, Mike, and uh, you and I are going to buddy up for a dive. Um, We're headed out to the spot. It's an hour offshore. What's the advice? How would you walk me through how to be a good buddy for you in the water?
1: Well, the the best system that I have with um, the mate of mine over here, Paul, who I dive with regularly, we always have a flasher, um, and whoever's holding the flasher is spotting that dive, um, just so I know it sounds pretty simplistic, but it just means that it's quite clear who's spotting and who's diving because we've yeah. done the old, oh, that bit looks interesting and now something something the other way that looks interesting and, you know, suddenly you're 200 metres apart and that's that. Yeah. Um, so we use that as a system and it works quite well, but I think you just need to be there for when the guy surfaces. Firstly, um, that's probably mo- mostly coming from a safety perspective, but then... I'm always interested, oh, what did you see? What was the ground like? Is it worth another dive? Should we go over this way? So, you know, we we chat pretty much after every dive. We just, you know, it might only be a few words or a sentence, but that's that's how we do it and, um, you know, it seems to work well. But I know other guys who they love their solo diving and, and so on.
0: Yeah. I find I get better results, particularly when you're starting to dive some deeper stuff, like um, maybe even not even super deep, but I don't know, getting beyond that 40, 50-foot mark, like where you you can't see everything on the bottom and you can't do stuff, and uh, the safety obviously comes into it more as you dive deeper as well. Um, If you're diving a lot of structure and you've got, you know, you are diving in current, buddies definitely make sense to me, so I'm 100% in agreement with you. What do you do when you – um, get in the water and you realize that the person you're diving with is either a got half your ability or you know half your experience which means that they're diving half the depth or b they are double as good as you and they are you know they're wanting to dive just hectic stuff that you is way way outside your comfort zone um what do you do in those scenarios with a new if you're with a new person
1: well, Look, I don't think that should make any difference. The, the second scenario of the better skilled diver who can dive deeper than you. I mean, I look at that as an opportunity for you to be able to try and dive a bit deeper, especially so long as they're a good dive buddy um, and they're looking out for you. I mean, that's the best scenario, isn't it? Because you know that if they're going to be able to get down to deeper depths than you, so you're in a safe position. Um, probably if you've got the inexperienced diver with you, I would suggest isn't the day to try your PBs and so on and so forth. You might just come in a bit shallow, but that's, I guess, a reverse scenario that you can then try and help that person get a little bit deeper on that. So both are positives, but probably need to be managed in their own terms, slightly different ways.
0: Love it. That's good. Um, All right, let's get into some story time. Uh, What, Like, can you can you think of a memorable stalk you've done? So you maybe you've made it to the bottom, and you've just you've done everything right, or you've done something wrong, and either it's a it's the one that got away, or it's one of your most proudest sort of stalks. Can you can you think of a a story that comes to mind?
1: Yeah, for for me, that would be we're up off X mouth, and I was with a good mate Lee Mitchell up there, and um, it was probably testing out my maximum of my abilities um he's very talented diver um and like i was saying before one of the really good people to dive with looks out for you but also pushes you a bit and it, the, the water wasn't the best it's probably i don't know five five meter vis and we're, we're targeting uh job fish and we're, we're in about uh 25 26 meters and as, as you and most of your listeners probably appreciate unless you can get right down onto the bottom for those fish, you know, you just, you you don't really have a hope in hell. So that was quite a big dive for me. Anyway, I I, I managed to, to get down there, line up the fish, um, and it went just under nine kilo, which is not a bad uh, job, albeit those boys do get some much better ones up there. But that, that was probably a standout fish for me because you just had to, I had to mentally prepare for it. Um, yeah you know commit to the dive i guess um and they can be a little bit hard to shoot at times
0: yeah i was going to say that they are they are they are tantalizing fish and they they swim close to you and then i love the way they turn on a dime just out of range and their their fins flare mm-hmm. um and um and they just turn and they're just beautiful to watch and then they they sort of tease you did that, was that a was that a decent bit of bottom time you had to put to get that fish or did you time it just just right
1: well again um Lee being the skipper he is, you don't normally have to swim too far from the spot when uh, he puts you on a spot. So, no, not really. It was more just a matter of, you know, how they can stay off you a little bit and until you get down and, you know, sort of maybe rustle a bit of sand and so on, they tend to come in. But, no, not really. It was more a matter of just getting down to the depth um, through the dirty water and then uh, waiting for the fish to come into you.
0: It's a big intimidating dive. I had a friend uh who I was chasing jobfish with and he coined it the jobfish dance because uh there's very much that sort of that interplay and you really feel like it's such a battle of the wits with those fish. Um I love hunting them personally. They're one of my favorites and they're a real challenge for my um, diving ability, so I can relate to your story. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um toughest situation. What's something scary that's happened to you out there and and I mean what did you learn from it?
1: Um probably out at, at, at one of the reefs off um, Shark Bales with my young bloke, and he was probably 13, 14 at the time, I guess, 14, uh, and there was a bit of swell running, bit of current, we're at an offshore reef, anchored up uh, chasing mackerel. Anyway, he, uh, he managed to put the spear into quite a nice fish, which then had to swim us further from the boat against the current and so on and so forth. Um, and I looked back at the boat and, uh, you know, the swell had just picked up and it was starting to feather, you know, the waves. And I looked at where we were um, and what could potentially go wrong. Uh, so I ended up grabbing hold of his line there and just pulling as hard as I could on the fish, which then the spear gave way, which I was, I was pretty well thankful for because you sort of – Go through the uh, reel of what could have been, and you know your seventy k's offshore, strong currents, you and your fourteen-year-old boy. Um, I don't think it'd make a great great headline. I certainly don't think it'd be father Father of the Year Award. Should uh, that gone pear shaped? So that yeah, we, we were we were safe, but at the same time, I guess it just. I think when you put your kids into those situations, it becomes more apparent just of how dangerous or exposed you can be.
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah. It's a good insight too. Like I mean, but in the in the age of sort of helicopter parenting and you know just leaving your kids on the Xbox all day, um, I mean, it's pretty awesome that you, you're getting them out there and getting them amongst it and um, and understanding that there are some things in life that there are you have legitimate cause to be afraid of, like sharks and current and big seas and all the other challenges that we sometimes face out there.
1: Yeah, but I think everything in life an evaluated risk. And typically, you know, the guys I dive with, we uh, we try and do things the right way. So, you know, you'd limit all those potential risks as much as you possibly can.
0: Yeah. Where did your uh, awareness of uh, evaluating risk come from? Was that, was that a workplace thing? Was that uh, something you learned with age?
1: No. No, I think it's just, uh, I, I don't, I don't I don't think I could pinpoint where it came from. I think it's just a, a common sense thing that uh
0: well, Mine started to develop because I used to do too much silly shit. <laughs> and you just learned everything the hard way.
1: Yeah, well, you can learn from your mistakes. Um, you know, as you touched on before, I mean Aaron always highlights how things can go wrong pretty quickly when you take him diving. Yeah. So uh
0: Yeah. But you need those characters too. They make the trips more fun.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: All right. Um, Veterans Fault, I wanted to chat with you about WA. Like um you and I were sort of sharing before we got started about how in WA there seems to be this 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 sort of uh cultural mindset that it's okay to drive for four to twenty-four hours to go for a dive over the weekend. Um do you think what are the reasons for this mindset?
1: Oh, I think you know, WA just as it is, I mean we're we're so sparse and spread out. Um we've got such a massive coastline. Uh we do have quite different zones here as well. We have, like, the West Coast and the Gascoigne and so on, and they've, they've all got different bag limits, and certainly uh, the, the abundance of fish in those uh, remote areas is a lot different to the Perth Metro. That being said, a lot of good fish do come from the Perth Metro area, um, but it's nothing like heading north or south from here. But I think most people that I know, you know, they they're happy to, to do a 6-, 10-hour, 12-hour drive if the rewards are there, and they are actually there. Like the the places we go to are, are that good, and I, I think the uh, reward for effort is is certainly there.
0: I was supposed to do a trip over last year with uh, Bert Calder from Old Man Blue, and uh, we were going to do some, some, some remote WA diving, and a few yeah. listeners reached out to me, and they were just like, yeah, yeah, I'll meet you there. It's only just up the road, and... Uh, said, oh, I said, I we are you? And then I looked on the map and seven hours drive. <laughs> they were going to come over just for a yarn after a day's diving. So um, it's, it's a different mindset, but I, I I like it and I appreciate it. Uh, it seems like um, a different pace of life over there than perhaps the east coast of Australia.
1: Maybe. Um, again, I've not dived on the east coast. I'd love to one day. Um, but uh, yeah, and I think it might be a spearfishing um mindset as well because I know when I still speak to line fishermen, I know they go, You went where for a weekend? You did what? <laughs> <laughs> um and they they it sort of blows them away a bit how far we travel. But I sort of go, Well, that's where I got to. Where did you go? Um I, I think it's well worth it. Yeah.
0: Okay. So from um you're you're in Perth Metro, uh, whereabouts is spearwest the shop.
1: Uh, we're in Osborne Park which is pretty well Central in Perth it's it's not not really north or south it's it's pretty much in the middle
0: okay and so most of your driving and dive trips are you' headed north or do you go south as well and what are you targeting generally like give us give us a run-through of a maybe a couple of different trips you like to do
1: um I typically head north uh as I touched on before I love the thebrolis Islands um I, I just you know it's just one of those special places and then uh from there normally north Carnarvon um Exmouth and further uh love red emperor yeah just love their presence in the water
0: I love red emperor they don't seem once you find them they don't seem particularly hard to hunt but they I don't I don't understand how to get onto them like in terms of what to look for with ocean and stuff yeah and reef and yeah, that,
1: that was the a recent uh, dive trip, I got a PB red and it was interesting. We'd been up, it, there was a really small bit of show on the sounder and uh, we marked this bit of ground and we went back there and we we're, were diving and it got quite late in the day and there was current so the viz was poor. And But we we just hit the edge of it just as it was sort of getting dark and there was some big trout and so on, but you could see it wasn't the main part of the ground. It was only a very small spot. Anyway, the, uh, and then we ran out of time, got dark and so on. But we went back there on, a, on another trip and I managed to hit right on the mark. Uh, first dive and there was three big reds and, you know, when they sort of sit on top of each other.
0: No. <laughs> I've only ever seen one and I've managed to shoot it, but he was solo.
1: All right. Anyway, I'd say they, they look like they're all similar size. They, they, I find reds quite hard to gauge underwater, which, you know, they stick out those peck fins and they got such a presence about mm. them. That I think once they're over 10 kilo, I find it hard to go, oh, that one's 11 or 12 or, you know. Um they're all good fish.
0: I think I've only seen undersized apart from the one I shot that was decent but he wasn't he wasn't quite ten
1: yeah right yeah so anyway so we did done I did the drop there and the the fish I shot off that was eleven four um so he was, he, he was a good fish and then I just left the other ones because you know I can't see the point in um just, hammering them
0: nah and, they stack up do they well, even the bigger ones.
1: Well, these three just were sitting sort of on top of each other almost. Um, mm. But I've had the other ones we've seen where you know you you'll dive down and suddenly this big fish will almost charge in at you as in what are you doing on my patch of reef? So yeah. they um, they're a funny fish, but I do I do love uh, their presence in the water. They're, there's something um, special about the red. So we do like to target them.
0: They um they seem to be a fish like. And I, I think maybe this is something too that only the experienced um, guys notice that they're stacked up with other species in the same area. So you're looking for little hotspots, and like you just sort of said, I alluded to before that you ignored a few trout really before you, you, you know, you saw, you saw the reds. Is that we are you seeing aggregations of multiple species when you come across reds generally?
1: Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, like most, I guess most spots that hold the good fish you want there's you know always a, a collection of others isn't it? it it's it's funny what holds fish sometimes too isn't it? i often look at these little patches that hold these spectacular fish and you think geez there's not much to this yeah. um yeah so i do find that interesting
0: yeah cool so scouting for new ground is that something you guys spend a fair bit of time doing over there
1: yeah 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 What
0: what what sort of if you had to assign like, a percentage of time that you'd spend exploring and, and, and scouting, what, what what sort of um, percentage of time do you think you'd be spending doing that?
1: Uh, it, it, it depends on the day, and I guess it depends on the vis as well. If it's a really nice day and you can just jump over and have a quick look to to scout something, then I guess your, your, t- your time spent looking doesn't need to be as much. When it's dirty water um, – you know, you, you you want to make sure that you're putting yourself in the best position to land actually on that spot. Um and then I mean there's other days where you can, you know, you got those bigger patches of ground, you can drift them and uh do do plenty of diving. But a lot of the stuff to the north, it's it's very isolated little spots that you gotta hit. So probably we'd spend twenty percent of the time. Looking oh, yeah. on- cool, cool yeah
0: so times of day uh pretty important for hunting a lot of your wa species are you are you dawn and dusk hunters are you shooting good fish in the middle of the day is it just are you spreading uh, yeah
1: no nah, it's certainly for the demersals any time of day i mean i still like to dive that first light um for mackerel if, if i can um it doesn't always work out like that. If you're travelling and so on, it, it makes it a bit hard. But if if we're doing an island trip and we're overnight, I do like to be, um, you know, chasing mackerel at first light. Mm. I, I enjoy that. But uh, for the rest of it, we just dive for the day. Um, yeah.
0: So because you've had a boat from the start, um, have you done much rock hopping?
1: No. Yeah, right. No. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not into shore diving. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm actually waiting for a boat at the moment, which is not, which is getting built and, uh, it's not a good place to be. So I was that desperate the other day. I, uh, took a kayak with my son to this little offshore reef. We paddled it out there, got some craze, uh, but I hated every moment of it. Actually, <laughs> I love
0: rock no, hopping. I'm but you know, this is from a guy who's never <laughs> had a boat. So yeah,
1: no, I'm, I'm pretty happy on a boat. Thanks. Um, I'll leave the rock hopping to others. Ah, it's good. I, I
0: don't know. I like. I, I've I've enjoyed my time rock hopping in mud. It gives you an appreciation for the good days in the and some of the charters <laughs> that I'm privy to these days. But um, I still I still enjoy it. I still go and like going up just for a cray run and some filth. It's
1: good. Oh look, I think that's great yeah. um, that that people do it, um, but yeah, again, my honest answer is it's not for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, like you're a co-owner there at Spear West, how do you guys recruit um, salespeople in your shop? Uh, it's a legitimately um, it's a legitimate interest of mine. Like um, I've I've met some really just top characters in, uh and in particularly you know like the Adreno uh, store here in Brisbane where I started. Probably about the same age as you. Like in my late twenties, I started here, and um, some of those guys that I met, still I'm still diving with today, and they um, they made a big difference in, in 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 how I think about the sport and 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 how I went about it. So I'd be interested in how how you recruit people for your shop.
1: Well, normally it's it's probably more a matter of um, because spearfishing, you know, the, the people get so obsessed with it that they want to work, live, eat, breathe spearfishing. So Typically the um, more junior and casual type guys um, approach us. Yep. Oh, have you got a job in the spe- you know, want to work in a spearfishing store? Um, we've got Ben here who's our full-time manager. Yep. Who's more experienced in uh, retail and management and so on. So he's our stable. Um, but in terms of the uh, younger floor guys, it, they we pretty much don't have to recruit anyone. They tend to come to us to want to work in a spearfishing shop. Ah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Which is good as well because it means they're genuinely passionate. Yeah. Yeah. As in um, the only problem we have is if the weather's good here. Get
0: <laughs> <You got laughs> yeah. no salespeople left.
1: Yeah. So, you know, the old uh, roster doesn't get viewed on too well when the uh, weather's good.
0: But I think it, it's almost like you you, you actually want that. Like it's it's a it's a good problem to have when all your salespeople are so frothing mad that the weather's good, they all want to go spearing. You know, like if they're not living the lifestyle as well, it's hard for them to sell some of the gear that they they're pushing out through the door.
1: Yeah, and and that's what I've said to Adam, the co-owner here as well. It's it is actually quite important that we make sure that they do lead that lifestyle. There's yeah. no point working in a spearfishing shop and never going spearfishing. Yeah, because 100%. you're work. Um, And I think that's probably a trap in in a lot of um, outdoor activity businesses like fishing stores or surfing stores or whatever. You actually want to be the guy getting to experience it as well.
0: Yeah,
1: 100%. Yeah, it's good to get that balance right.
0: Equalising problems can be something that derail you not today my friend go to freedivingfamily.com check out the either the friends with an advanced friends or video or the mouthful and deep friends or equalization course at freedivingfamily.com you can use the code spiro to get 20% off any course at freedivingfamily.com these courses are put together by adam stern and a select team of of, of legends and to help you overcome different issues and help you perform better and some of them are extremely relevant for Freedive Spearing. check it out at freedivingfamily.com use the code spiro to get 20% off any course. Function first, pretty design second. Penetrator's dual-action water channeling rail provides more efficient action than similar fins by directing more water flow down the blade. This eliminates wobble, meaning that you get way more bang for your buck for your energy buck. Visit penetratorfins.com. Use the code NoobSpiro to save $25 on every pair on any pair. That's correct, my friend. Use the code Noobspiro to save $25 on any set of Penetrator blades at penetrator.com. What about funny stuff? Um, you have any... Uh, you've alluded to one of your, your funny mates where uh, you like to go spearing with. What's one of the funniest things you've experienced out there and share it with us?
1: Oh, well, n- normally I, d- I die with Paul and uh, we, uh, we tend to just make things work. But yeah, as you touched on recently, I've taken out uh, Aaron from the store. Um, you never know what's going to happen after he finishes a dive. It normally starts with a bit of spluttering after he's, uh, you know, vomiting up half the ocean. He tends to lose a lot of fish, destroy a lot of gear. Um, the other day um, we are up north there and he, um, he shot a shark. I'm not quite sure why, because he thought it was going to, attack and eat him so he lost his spear his dyneema then he uh, saw this cobia that you know sounded like it was a uh, couple of 44 gallon drums put together and then he was too scared to shoot that because he thought something bad might happen i had to explain to him you just shot a shark mate i don't think a cobia is gonna hurt you um, but but now nah, look we normally just go out get a few fish have a laugh and a couple of beers at the end of the day and um it's it's all good.
0: Mm-mm. So your your um, kids that you started spearing are they still spearing with you now?
1: Yeah. only um I've got two sons. Only one of my sons likes the spearfishing, but yeah, he still comes out. Surfing's become more of his passion of late.
0: Yeah.
1: Um but yeah, he still comes on on trips we we recently did one to the Carnarvon Islands, which was is great. It, it is it's pretty special bonding I think you get to do on those trips. Yeah, share all those experiences. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, awesome.
0: Um all right, what what about your dive bag? So you're getting a bit of variable water there. Do you travel south much or is it generally north?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty much all north, yeah. Okay.
0: So you're what rocking a 3 mil?
1: Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, you know, you might drop to 2 mil suit. Um and then we did a trip a few years ago up to Scott Reef, which is way north, um, and just wore one and a half mil. But, uh, yeah, typically three, three and a half mil, yep.
0: Okay. Any brand preference for suits?
1: Nah, nah, Um Weddy's great. Cressy's
0: great.
1: Yep. I think all the suit manufacturers now are
0: doing a good job.
1: They are. And, I mean, you know, most of your suits tend to, how do you put it, wear out in terms of thickness and so on before anything else seems to give way, stitching and and joins and otherwise. So,
0: you know, if
1: you're typing enough, to me a wetsuit's pretty much one to two seasons and then it's... um,
0: What about spear guns? Are you religious with your spear guns?
1: um, Spear guns is a funny one because we're in the age where everyone seems to love rollers. I like simplicity. So a 1400 twin band gun is for me. Six,
0: 16 mil rubber, 14 mil Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 16. I know those guys that were using a 16 and a 14 and so on. I'm not really into all that. Yeah. Um I, I think when you look at a spear gun and what it is, it's a really basic piece of equipment. Um and I think I find it interesting how much time people spend researching on how they can get another half meter out of their gun and so on and so forth. I think that time would be better off spent diving or, um, you know, working on your presence in the water. I think there's so many uh, more important factors to your spearfishing than the actual gun, if Mm. that makes sense. Um, Mm. Yeah, so for me, yeah, simple, 1,400 Mm -hmm. twin rubbers.
0: What um, brand of spear gun are you using?
1: Uh, Rob Allen.
0: Yeah, and you just use standard setup?
1: Yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. standard setup. Um, yeah, Rob Allen reel, Rob Allen spear, Rob Allen rubber. Yep. Um, yeah, so um, yes, <laughs> it's pretty basic, pretty boring, I guess, but
0: it's predictable. You know what you're going to get. Um, they are very reliable, very accurate, um, like time tested and proven.
1: Yeah, I think as well, though, is whatever gun you use, I think you want to probably try and use the same brand or the same equipment. For all of you diving, I see some guys, and you know they'll pull out a gun for this and a gun for that, which is fine. But to me, it's about knowing your gear and how how it works. So if I was to have um, multiple guns, I'd you know I might want an eleven hundred or fourteen hundred and a twelve hundred. But I I I think there's something in them all being the same brand. Yeah, um, the same triggers, setup. Are the same. Um, you know, they perform in the same way. I think you could probably. Be on a sort of bad path of, you you know you you had a Manny sub roller and then you pull out your Rob Allen and then your Rife and then you this and that. Um, um, they're all going to have their own little different characteristics. So for me, I I try and have a brand and stick to that brand.
0: Shaft overhang seems to be a big one. Um, guys get wrong too, and I've done it myself. Like you know if you if you're switching around between having like standard sort of four hundred mil with a with a Rob Allen and then if you buy a shorter shaft because you're trying to – like some people get, get obsessed with having a, a shorter overhang on their spear guns and then – but switching between the two really disrupts my accuracy, I've noticed.
1: Yeah, and I think that's that's the exact point though, isn't it? Like whether you had 100 mil or 300 mil, just keep it the same. Yeah. yeah, and, and, and that way, you know, you know what you've got and how it's going to perform mm. um, because, you know, say if you – you go and get your 300 mil overhang and it performs slightly different and you miss that first fish on your trip, the the first thing you're doing is second, judging your gear. And I I don't think that's a good way to start your dive trip. So I like to just keep it all the same. 100%.
0: Yep. Yeah, I like it. Ah, Good stuff. Um, What about the rest of your gear? Is there anything sort of different you do than most of the other people you dive with?
1: Um, No. Obviously, if we're doing – Big trips north, I, I sort of like to cull people's dive bags where I can. Um, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> uh, so try and keep it minimal. Um, just how, to, how,
0: how many spear guns are people allowed to um, bring on your boat or shafts or whatever else? Have
1: you got a rule? Depends who they are. <laughs> if, it's Darren, if it's Darren, I'm happy to sell him 10 spears at the end of every trip. Um, but, uh, no, nah, look, normally... If we'll it, rather than everyone bring three guns, we'll keep a few spares between you know the three or four of us divers.
0: Yeah,
1: and then uh, you know a couple of spare masks and so on. But you you want to try and keep the gear to a sensible minimum, I guess. Yeah,
0: hundred yeah. percent. Yeah,
1: some guys turn up with their triple man swag and you know six guns and four sets of fins and so on. Yeah, so you hold that down pretty quick. Yeah.
0: Uh, what about fins in the uh, in the shop? What I mean, what fins do you run, Pip per, uh, personally?
1: Uh, I use dive bars. Yep, um, and I, I don't know what it's like on the east coast, but I presume it'd be the same here. But we find dive bars are our standout seller. Yeah, hunt like for sure.
0: I think they're um, they've been purpose made for Australian, New Zealand conditions. Um, uh, I think they go well in the US. I think sometimes in in Europe they do have some higher performing. Um, type fin brands, but they're generally a lot more delicate than uh, the Diver, Penetrator, Rukus and um, some of the other fins we have down here.
1: Yeah, and they're probably, those European type fins are probably for the free divers who are looking for that extra 1% of performance to, you know, dive to 100 metres or whatever they're doing. Um, we've not sold a set of Diver's here that people haven't been happy with, Um and you know but we've got the, you know your penetrators and and so on and so forth but personally i use die bars and yeah they, they're our, probably our go-to over here
0: i just love a functional and simple spear gun that i can trust when i pull the trigger kill shot spear guns utilize the finest of kill dried burmese teeth Killshot Spear Guns also combine American made parts and fine craftsmanship to bring you accurate, reliable, and simple spear guns that you can trust fish after fish. Get $30 off any Killshot Spear Gun at KillshotSpearGuns.com. Yes, and amen, Uber. That's $30 off American made performance spear guns at KillshotSpearGuns.com. I'm really sorry for this terrible accent brought to you by Eric Martin at KillshotSpiritGuns.com In the world of freedive spearfishing there's no magic breathing technique that's all of a sudden gonna get you down and shoot massive fish at depth and holding big bottom times but there is a way to do it safer and smarter and take down more fuel to maximize the time that you have there. Learn at NoobSpirit.com forward slash Ted with Ted Hardy from Immersion Freediving. If you take down more fuel, you can stay for longer. Learning to take a bigger breath is not such a big deal. TED breaks it down for you with a free online course at noobspero.com forward slash TED. Take down 20 to 30% more air just by learning how to take a full breath. Again, learn how to do it free at noobspero.com forward slash TED. Do you do any training, uh, Mike, with, 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 to keep fit or with, with spearing and, and life in general?
1: Um, yeah, look, I, I've done a lot of uh, swimming in, in my time, um, open water swimming. So I still like to do that, and uh, yeah, my mate Paul and I have just started a, a block of free dive training because I want to actually hit a bit better depth this year. That's like a goal of mine. Um, so yeah, we've just started a, a bit of a block here, and we'll go down in the pool, um, and we even train down in the river just because you can go down there after work without launching a boat, and um, you know the the weather. Can be blowing, but you can still get into sort of that 18 meter mark in the river there and do a little bit of training just to try and maintain or build a bit of dive fitness. Have
0: you looked at more advanced equalizing techniques?
1: Um, I have, but I, I don't think that that's an issue for me at this stage. So I haven't uh, explored any further there. I probably would in time. Mm. Um, yeah, I see how I go.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's a tough one. I, I know, like you were talking before about hunting those job fish. You, you can start to get down to those depths and start to just feel uh, like your equalizing techniques are fin- coming to the end of their 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 use. And then you have to start learning some more, like how to bring air back up, or you know, reverse packing, or or mouth you know, mouthful. Some of these other techniques that the free divers um, lend to us.
1: Yeah, and I think it's like we touched on before, like most skills in life, unless you um, truly commit or dedicate to spend the time into training to learn these techniques, then you're probably not going to get anywhere. But certainly, if you want to start hitting those uh, deeper depths, I think it is a real um, necessity that you yeah. can start doing that mouthfeel equalization and so on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I don't think you need to worry about it for a long time when you're starting. Um, it's definitely not for everyone. It's like it's like um, I don't know, it reminds me of like when I was younger trying to learn a different language and we 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 grow up in these predominantly English speaking countries and, and uh there's no, there's never any use for the, the extra language and it's like unless you've actually got a, a specific purpose for it, probably better off just waiting until you actually need it and then you'll learn it and it'll stick.
1: Yeah, 100%, and that's where I'm at with it. That it For me, it, my diving at the moment, um, it's not going to add any benefit to where I'm at at this stage. Um, but it, it's also amazing how, I don't know what it's like on the East Coast, but certainly spearfishing on the West Coast has really exploded and the amount of um, courses and, and information and training available is huge. So probably... Um, When you mentioned earlier, you know, what would you advise a a new Spiro to do? I I reckon a free diving course is the standout for me. For that rapid improvement, um, I think that would be the best way to start off.
0: Uh, Do you think that more knowledge equals more safety, more awareness?
1: Oh, definitely. I think that the, um, you know, it's almost like there's a new and old school with diving and the older guys all do the solo diving and I think that the newer guys do all the buddy diving, and I think that's would largely stem from the free dive courses. That you know, I would think more people now spearfishing have done a course than haven't. Mm. Um, and I don't, I don't. Know. Have you have you done a free dive course?
0: Yeah, I, I did my instructors. Um, so yeah, um, I'm starting to teach courses myself. So
1: yeah, so they um, they obviously are very. I mean, my the the first free diving course I did. Um, was with a, a gentleman called Ares and he was really hammered the safety from the get-go, um, not not to the point of scaring you but really let you know in no uncertain terms that budding is important. So, and I guess that has stayed with me certainly through the whole spearfishing mm. um, journey to the point where I wouldn't solo dive. Mm. Um I I don't find it enjoyable because I like to know that I've got a buddy. And when I say a buddy, one who genuinely looks out for me. Yeah. There are two types of buddies. Um so that that stayed with me. And I think that's probably yeah, I think the the whole buddy system is really come from a lot of people now doing free dive courses, which is great. Yeah, one
0: of the very first interviews I did was with Simon Tripp and I've had him multiple times on the podcast since then and he was trained by Ares and uh probably one of the one of the first spearos to legitimately do a freediving course and then go through to his instructor level and now he teaches courses as well but very much with a specific emphasis on teaching the the correct elements for spearos because I think there's are a lot of old school Spiros that they'll they'll they have their own self-imposed limitations. So they might say like never more than a minute or never more than ten meters or, so, or something like that. And I can go out and dive by myself. But I I, I still say look, your only bit of safety equipment is your buddy. Mm. Like um and 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 I stole that line from Simon and I'm going to keep stealing it because I think it's great and uh, I'm I'm very much in line with uh with your way of thinking about it. With the what courses have you done?
1: Uh, I've just done the stage one and two um yeah. um
0: patty SSI any preference on um, on the on the, the the body that does it
1: not at all for me yeah. um look and, and I don't know enough about it but I would suggest that the instructors probably more important than the the body running yeah hundred percent So. I- you know, I, I, was, I was fortunate that I did areas for my stage one or stage A, whichever you want to call it, and then this uh, stage two or B I did with uh, chap Yoram and they were both awesome, awesome to, to train with. Yeah. Um, but the other one as well with the older school divers and, and not doing the buddy, as buddy system as well, I also think that, that some of those the older school divers as well, I mean, it's just a whole different mentality. They don't share their catch. They're competitive with each other. Yeah. Um, You know, so they go, oh, well, I'm going to swim over there and get this, this, and this. Um, You know, when you buddy up as well, how good is it when you, your buddy shoots that awesome fish? You yeah,
0: know? 100%. Oh,
1: well done. You know, share the whole moment. Yeah, um, yeah. That's, you know, I don't dive with people who can't – if you can't enjoy someone else's success when you go on a spearfishing trip, then you're best on another boat.
0: One of the young guys I did my instructors with, his name's Maddie, and uh, I've done a couple of courses with Maddie now, and uh, phenomenal ability, like younger guy, uh, early 20s, and just phenomenal diving ability, just a natural in the water. And um, him and I went shore diving off the sunny coast, and we took my my oldest boy out with us, and he came out for – I don't know, an hour or so, and then he was bugged. So we swam him in, and then him and I went out and picked around a reef that was probably like uh, – it'd be a good six, 700 metres off the, off the shoreline, and it, it definitely advanced sort of diving, and it was just so fun. Like I think we only shot one or two fish each, but they were decent fish, and um, just the experience of diving with someone that's got your back and you just have that communication and laugh, and uh, I don't know, it's just like um, I've dived that spot a lot by myself. And uh, especially back in the day, and, and, and I think it was night and day. Like, even that spot that I've enjoyed previously, diving solo, diving it with someone else was, was just, it was awesome. Like, it was a, it was a better experience. So, yeah, definitely. Kill fish with precision and power. Sending shafts from a stable platform with kill shot spear guns. Made in the Florida Keys by Ed Martin. You're buying American made dependable spear guns. Get $30 off any kill shot spear gun at killshotspearguns.com. Yes and amen, Nooba. That's $30 off American made performance spear guns at killshotspearguns.com. It says if they're in the shop or on the phone, they can cash in by saying, Crikey, mate!" or the Noob Spiro podcast sent me. Check them out at killshotspearguns.com based in the Florida Keys. The Fishing Trips app allows you to find new people who are interested in going spearfishing. So you can go for a trip together. It's a great way to make friends and get some extra trips. If you are looking to get out on boats, if you're in an isolated part of the area where you don't have a spearfishing club, and you still want to find a dive buddy and dive safer and smarter, download the Fishing Trips app. It's available on iOS or Android. Download it today. The Fishing Trips app will help you connect with your next best spearfishing buddy. Fishing Trips app. Download on iOS or Android today. Spear our Q&A. Faster-paced round on our way out, Mike. Um, Could you describe what the spearfishing experience means to you in one sentence?
1: uh spearfishing for me is an escape um probably yeah an escape from reality and daily stress all right
0: what's the single best piece of advice you've ever been given for spearfishing
1: mm. stay safe <laughs> I, I th-
0: yeah okay i'll leave it at that um what would be your fish of a lifetime
1: uh, 20 kilo Jewfish, West Australian Jewfish. What's your PB? 15. What yeah, is... And I dive north mainly, so I think that's one of those that... Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be a reality, but yeah.
0: It's they a special are, fishery over there. They, they look awesome.
1: They, they're, they're a bit like the Red Emperor. There's something about them that's just mind-blowing, and especially the big ones. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. What
0: is the spearfishing destination that you would most like to visit?
1: I'd love to get to New Zealand.
0: What do you want to chase
1: there? Uh, I'd like to chase their big snapper.
0: Cool. So the Northland, the north, the north, the northern part of the North Island.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, Well, New Zealand's such a great place. Mm. Um, Anyway, so I think in terms of a a spearfishing holiday, I'd, I'd like to do that. Do it. Do it.
0: All right, last question, Mike, and then we'll head out the gate. Um, Who is the best person to go spearfishing with and why? Specifically who? Who's your favourite dive buddy? Uh,
1: Yeah, my mate Lee from Exmouth, Lee Mitchell, um, for a couple of reasons. One is um, he's exceptional at finding fish. So if you do a trip with Lee, you're going to shoot awesome fish. That's that's just how he is. Um, but again, he also, he's a better diver than I am. So he challenges you somewhat, uh, which I touched on at the start. I think that's important. If you want to, if you want to improve, you've got to go with people who are better than your own abilities. And he loves to travel the long distances. So yeah, definitely my standout memory trips would, would be trips I've done with Lee.
0: Okay, cool. Cool. Awesome. right? Well, um, man, I've had a Absolute ball chatting with you. I'm sure we missed and failed to cover a ton of ground. It's my first interview back in uh, in the new year, so thanks for being my first victim. Um, people can obviously come along and follow Spear West on Instagram. You've got more than ten thousand followers on there. It's always stoke from the uh, the west coast there. That you guys have got an amazing community that's only growing and doing better and better things. So, but where else can people find and connect with you,
1: Mike? Yeah, well, you can drop into the shop at any stage or, as you said, any of the uh, social media, jump on that, Instagram, Facebook or otherwise. But, yeah, come down to the store whenever you like and uh, we'd be happy to help you.
0: Awesome. Cool. Cheers, Mike. Thanks for uh, joining me.
1: You too. Thank you.
0: Guys, massive interview today. Awesome to chat with Mike Kane. 2022. Off with a bang, uh, Spear West, what a, what a fantastic uh, shop over there in Perth. If you're in that area, check them out and uh, say hello to Mike. Tell him you heard him on the new Spear podcast. Uh, next week, or actually in two weeks, in a fortnight, we are going to chat with Palapas Ventana men, Tim Hatler and Brock Kennedy. It's Baja, and we're talking Sia Cortez, Mag-, Mag Bay, these guys um, shoot some special fish and they have a very unique setup recommended by James Sacker a couple of weeks ago if you remember uh, really stoked to chat with the Palapas Ventana guys, come back in two weeks, listen to that episode, um, if you want to support the podcast, jump on podchaser.com leave us a review, I'd absolutely love that but hey, as usual, thanks for sharing it with your mates, it's been a pleasure bringing it to you that's it, first episode for 2022 done, we'll be back in two weeks Tim Hatler, Brock Kennedy, join me then Trek over and out Today's episode was an absolute banger, and so is our major sponsor, Adreno. Visit them at adreno.com.au. They have a huge range of equipment. You can find it at adreno.com.au. Use the code at checkout When you shop online, you can save $20 on every purchase over $200. You can even use that code in-store at some of their huge mega stores Australia-wide. Price be guarantee on any Australian spearfishing equipment price. Again, visit them at adreno.com.au. Use the code Noobspear the noob zero podcast is incredibly proud to be partnering with neptonics.com it's solid gear that works equipment you can rely on it's the very best in spearing gear from around the planet neptonics is also the one-stop shop for all your spearfishing gear particularly in the u.s they got free shipping on all orders over 99 dollars in the u.s furthermore you can use the code noob10 to save 10% off on your entire shopping basket at neptonics.com. Use the code noobspero at neptonics.com. Precision engineered tools for the family jewels. NoobSpiro, thanks Manscaped, and so should you, I think, Manscaped. Everyone in my life thanks Manscaped. Because I have got clean goodness down there get 20% off and free shipping with the code noobspero one word at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code noobspero unlock your confidence always use the right tools for the job with manscaped men if you've been shaving with the same nut trimmer on your face you've been doing it all wrong no person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth go to manscaped.com use the code noobspero